Welcome to Preston's Super Show. News, sports, and a whole lot more. It's the Super Show, baby. Warning. This show contains material that is only suited for patriotic audiences and people who have a backbone. If you like God, guns, and glory, you're listening to the right show. Sit back or carry on and enjoy Preston's Super Show. Welcome to Preston Super Show UFC Fight Night Edition on Friday. Time of recording right now is 8.39 p.m. It's going to be a while for the podcast is up. I'm shooting for 10 o'clock, 10.30 latest. But that way it's up today, carries you into the morning, into the afternoon, right before the evening when the UFC fights kick off. For UFC Fight Night 199, Lewis versus Dawkins. This is going to be a great card. Great job by the matchmakers and Dana White to bring us a really, let's call it a gift, um, unwrapped for the holidays. So, uh, before Christmas, here's your gift from Dana White. Starting off the card. In this 14 fight UFC slate is a uh, the early prelims lightweight fight 155 pound division scheduled for three rounds between Matt Sales for Jordan Levitt the Monkey King. Matt Sales is the minus 125 slight favorite. Jordan Levitt's plus 105 near even underdog. This fight's really a pick'em in my eyes. Matt Sales is 8-3, and three, and Jordan Levitt is 8-1. and one. Matt Sales, 27 years old. Jordan Levitt, 26 years. Uh, the Monkey King has 2 inches of height on him, 5'9". Matt Sales is 5'7". Uh, standing reach, Jordan Levitt has 71-inch reach, while Matt Sales has a 67.5-inch standing reach. The Gems... Matt Sales fights respectively out of Alliance MMA, also home to Dominic Cruz, among others, while Jordan Levitt, the Monkey King, fights out of Syndicate MMA. This fight is as even as they come. There's not a statistic that's going to lead you to uh, a winner here. Uh, Matt Sales has really good stand-up. He hasn't been able to show it off. Um, in his first fight on the Dana White Contender Series in the organization, he was able to uh, knock out his opponent, Yazan Haja. But since then, it's been a little bit sporadic in the UFC where he's went the distance with Shaman Moraes and uh, lost. But then he uh, turned around and beat Kyle Nelson by submission. In his last fight, he lost by submission to Bryce Mitchell. So... He's one loss, one loss in the UFC, and uh, including Dana White Contender Series, and now fighting 
Uh, Jordan Levitt, who's very skilled, very talented, well-rounded fighter. Um, the difference here is that Matt Sales, when I say he's good standing up, like he's got really good hands, I really mean that. He is a uh, sophisticated striker. Now, Jordan Levitt is going to get a taste of that. He is going to be looking to rely on some of his takedown skills. He's averaging three takedowns in a 15-minute fight. If he's able to take advantage of that, he can really do a lot of damage in this fight. But I'm on the other side of that because when you look at Matt Sales, he has an 81% takedown defense. Also, we've seen him pull out victory, uh, pull a victory out with a submission. He got caught in a nasty twist twister by Bryce Mitchell. Now, we all know Bryce Mitchell's a beast, so you can't take that away from Matt Sales. But in this specific fight, Matt Sales, look at his record. He's won, lost, won, lost. Now he's coming back to win, I believe. And the reason he's going to be able to do that is because I think this comes down to where these guys train, where these guys fight. And Matt Sales fighting out of Alliance and the caliber of fighter they have. I'm going to put that on my board of best gems. A notch above Syndicate. Maybe two notches above Syndicate. I'll say two. And I think that's fair to say. Um, Syndicate just doesn't have the type of talent that Alliance has right now. And you can go through the roster and look for yourself. Alliance gem is deep. Um, now that is also another side of that where that means syndicate has more time to work with, uh, their, their fighters. Um, but I'm going to go with the fact that when I look at who Matt sales is training with as guys who, uh, were just in the octagon last week and winning, um, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and jump on that bandwagon and take Matt sales here, uh, in a decision victory, because I don't think he's going to be able to put Jordan Levitt away. What I do think he can do is pull out a victory against a tough opponent. So the next fight, uh, we're going to move right on with. And the next fight is a heavyweight fight. Two big tanks going at each other. But I just don't see this fight going very long. Um, you know, I kind of went over this fight a few times to see if I was missing anything. But I think I'm pretty much got it you covered here Dontale Mays versus Josh Parisian and us on the prelim card second fight of the night heavyweight division a 265 pound division three rounds uh three five minute rounds we're not going to go three rounds here um definitely you're going to be looking at the under on the rounds but they're probably if they give you something like under half a round or something goofy just avoid that okay Dontale Mays let's focus on this here uh fighting out louisville kentucky um bronx hill mma josh parisian fighting out a scorpion fighting system Dante mays is eight and four josh parisian's 14 and four Dante mays is the minus 200 favorite in this fight josh parisian is the plus 165 underdog um parisian uh and Mays both made weight. Few fighters didn't make weight. We'll talk about them when we get to their fight. That way, I'm not just like overshadowing it, and then we don't talk about it during their fight. We'll talk about it in the next fight, one of the fighters in this way. <clears throat> but both these guys made weight. 
May's a little bit heavier. Or, I mean, a little bit lighter, 256 and a half on the scale. And Josh Parisian is 262 pounds. So, Parisian is the heavy guy. Uh, the heavier guy here. But Mays has got the power. And he's not taking the type of damage that we've seen Parisian take inside the octagon. Um, both these guys beat the same guy in their, for their last fight. So... I want you to know that Dante Mays fought Cyril Gain to a decision. Um, so he's he is uh, battle tested. Josh Parisian, he's absorbed six point thirteen strikes per minute with a forty three percent defense. I know he throws a lot, and he's going to be looking for that type of fight here. But Mays is a little bit taller, a little bit more reach. They're both orthodox fighting styles. So there's no uh, haymaker coming that Mays won't see or that Parisian won't see. What it's just going to be is just pretty much these guys having to engage each other. And then once that happens, someone's going out. And I I just feel like Mays is going to put Parisian out because he's just not the type of fighter to kind of push up on uh and Parisian's gonna that's his style like his style is to try to move forward and come at you and Maze, you got to be a little more careful they don't call him Lord Kong for a reason like he will bonk you on the head and put you out that's where I see this fight going in the first round Maze is minus 200 favorite for a reason like the book sees something here they're noticed something with Parisian in his in, uh, in his few fights and I don't want to hold anything against him because he is a good fighter. Um, but this fight, I just feel like he's o- he's just a little overmatched for uh, like Maze is just a little bit nicer on the feet, a little bit cleaner. And if it's a close fight, I don't feel like Parisian's going to do uh, what needs to be done. Like to get to get the win, I feel like he will coast. Uh, and excuse me, Dante Mays lost a, a submission, a heel hook in the third round to Cyro Gain, but a uh, competitive fight. Um, and he's he's uh, very very raucous in there. But I think you're going to be impressed with this guy. I think you're going to be surprised. A little bit of a Greg Hardy vibe you get from him. But I assure you, this guy is a lot different skilled fighter. And this isn't a guy that's going to be taken down easy. He's got a 59% takedown defense. And Parisian doesn't even average one takedown in a 15-minute fight. So this is a stand-up brawl. I'm surprised if he gets out of the first round. I think Parisian is going to get caught in the first round. And now it's over. So I'm giving you uh, Dante Mays knockout in the first round. Uh, in the last fight, I gave you Matt Sales by decision. Now we move on to our next fight uh, on the prelim card between Raquel Pennington and Macy Chizon. This fight is where we need to talk about weight. Everybody made weight except three fighters. Macy Chizan, surprising, did not make weight. Now, some people say she's too 
big for this division. Like she, she, there, that this is, this isn't the right division for her. But in this woman's featherweight fight, Chazon was a bantamweight. So dropping down and not being able to do it successfully is really torture on a fighter. And here she is against Raquel Pennington, who's won her last two convincingly, who's a great wrestler, who's got a strong chin and good stand-up skills, knows how to get out of trouble, knows uh, how to to, uh, circle. And Fortis MMA is an elite gym. They're quickly moving up, and I'm going to put out a board of like the best gyms with what with some of my picks coming out, where I think the best, the top five gyms are, and Fortis is one of them. It's a top five gym. They train fighters well. Unfortunately, Macy Chizan couldn't make weight, and she's going to be um, find a percentage of her purse. But in this fight not making weight I'm not it's going to be hard for me to be on your side it's really hard for me to get behind a fighter that doesn't make weight so I'm going to be on the side of Raquel Pennington who's got a little bit of a size disadvantage in the reach and in the height but this is the same weight class and even though Macy Chase I missed weight by almost three pounds by the time the fight starts these fighters are where they want to be so when you're looking at the defense who who uh, is going to be able to avoid something catastrophic I believe Raquel Pennington can keep this fight going without getting into too much trouble like Macy Chazon is still going to be a tough out for Raquel Pennington but the but let's look at the stats Raquel Pennington has a 62% striking defense that's good that means she's not eating much in that octagon when people are starting to let go and throw those hands um and she has a 49% at striking accuracy to back it up, uh, which is the same as Macy Chizon. But Macy Chizon only has a 46% striking defense. And Raquel Pennington will throw uh, 3.59 strikes per minute, so almost four strikes a minute, um, to be able to set up takedowns, to be able to put Macy Chizon on her back, and ultimately get the finish. Now, I think this fight does end up getting finished because Macy Chizan not being able to make weight, being dragged into a, a, a fight that Raquel Pennington wants, which is a long grueling fight. I feel like that's not good for Macy Chizan and that's really going to hurt her. She comes in as the plus 145 underdog while Raquel Pennington is the minus 170 favorite. Raquel Pennington is only three years the elder, 33 years old. Macy Chizan is 30. Um, like I said, five foot seven Raquel Pennington versus five foot eleven Macy Chizan is going to look a little awkward in there. And then with the reach, Macy Chizan is seventy-two inch reach, while Raquel Raquel Pennington has a sixty-seven and a half inch reach. The big difference is is that Raquel Pennington isn't going to be standing on the outside trying to fight Macy Chizan. She is going to get inside, work her game plan, um, and try to go get a, go and get her thirteenth win. Because uh, right now she's 12 and 8. Macy Chai's on 7 and 1. So Macy Chai is not some unbeatable uh, talent in the UFC. She's a good fighter. She's well trained and well disciplined. Except she couldn't make weight. So I can't get behind her here. And I wanted to. But without that, I can't get behind a fighter. So I'm going to go with Raquel Pennington uh, for the reasons I gave you. 
Now, she's fighting out of altitude MMA. Let me put some respect on their name. Because they're not a gym to look past. Or like a gym that's a wash or something of that nature. They have talented fighters. And uh, one of their most talented fighters is Raquel Pennington. And she's been around the sport for a while. She knows how to go in there and get it done. This is going to be a, a good fight. Um, I don't expect this fight to end early. I think we go those three rounds. I really, truly do. And I think it ends in that third round. And I think that's because Macy Chizon's tired. And Raquel Pennington has been able to work her game plan enough to get to finish and ultimately win. Um, so we move on to the next fight. On the prelim uh, card, and this is a really uh, exciting fight that I really can't wait to talk to you guys about. It's Charles Jordan versus Andre Ewell in the featherweight division at 145 pounds. This is a three-round, five-minute round fight uh, where the Canadian fights the uh, American. In a, in a, this is going to be a real good battle. Um, Andre Evil traded out of Apex. Um, Charles Jordan. Let me make sure I tell you exactly where he's training out of. Let's see if anything changed with him. I don't believe it has. Uh, but both these guys made weight. <clears throat> no issue there. And yeah, uh, Academy Pro Star MMA is where Charles Jordan uh, trains out of. The one thing you see with Charles Jordan is that he just loves throwing kicks. He likes body kicks. He likes um, feints to set up uh, his power shots. Um, And ultimately, he's looking to knock you out. Uh, But it's not going to be easy against Andre Ewell, who's really a talented fighter on the feet. And is going to bring it to uh, Jordan in this fight. Well, Jordan's making a name for himself. And... Uh, in the last fight, he fought Julian Arosa and just tired himself out a little bit too much and was submitted. But before that, he TKO'd Marcelo Rojo in a big way. Then before it was a draw, he lost to Andre Feely by split decision. That was a close fight and a well-rounded fight from him where he really did a lot of damage. And before that, he knocked out Duho Choi. Um, so he's been... Uh, making the rounds in the UFC and he's coming to bring the pain I can assure you that now Andre well we're not going to take anything away from him here absolutely not I don't just favor one side opposed to the other I get I cut straight down the menu and get cut straight down the middle and give him my pick you know what I'm saying so in this fight I I have seen Charles Jordan get finishes I've seen him uh, be finished by submission so I ultimately know that his fights may not run as long as you think so when i go into the stats and i start digging through this fight you find out that his fights go pretty long man 13 minutes and 40 seconds average fight time comparing to andre ewell's 13 minutes and 54 second fight time now these guys both got experience you know charles jordan's 11 4 and 1 and andre ewell's 17 and 8 these guys have a lot of fights on their record they're pretty much the same height five foot nine jordan five foot eight ewell this is in the 145 pound division Ewell has a major advantage with the reach and he's a southpaw now Jordan's going to be able to cope with that pretty well because he's a switch fighter so he's going to be able to actually uh, not be exposed as much as an orthodox fighter would because he can change his stances up and he can make this uh, a a different fight than Andre Ewell's anticipating 
What's important to know is that this is going to be a striking match. This is not a wrestling uh, match. This is not a great grappling uh, affair. This is a real striker's war, and these two are going to go at it from the moment the bell rings. Unfortunately, I just don't see a finish happening here. I know a lot of people think Jordan's going to get a finish. He very well could, but I just am hesitant to say that because I've seen some fights that have gone all the way, especially with Feely, where I definitely thought there would be a finish. And if you watched the fight, you would have been expecting a finish. At at some point in the fight, you'd been expecting a finish, uh, like I was. So for this fight specifically, I'm going to go with Charles Jordan to win because I like what he's bringing into the uh, octagon. I like his energy. I think he's learned a lot from the last loss he took. Andre Ewell is on a two-fight losing streak, and Charles Jordan uh, is the better striker, pure and simple. Um, Andre Ewell is talented, but the thing that worries me about him is his chin. I don't know if he's going to be able to take the shot, the big power shots from Jordan like other guys like Feely could and, and be and been able to withstand like Julian Rosa could because he had Julian Rosa with some nice stuff. So put a normal fighter amateur guy out now Andre Ewell's not amateur he's way above that but he's a plus 160 underdog for a reason and it's because there's something we don't understand about his game yet there's something we don't know because he's not showing us and because it could be because he just doesn't have that factor it could be because it's just not blossomed yet but I would assume in this fight that whatever he's got in the tank he's going to empty it now these two fighters are going to battle it out they're going to give you good three three rounds and Jordan's going to come out on top he's going to win this fight by unanimous decision because Ewell's good at escaping keeping you moving keeping you rolling circling the octagon and Jordan's fine with that Jordan's fine with circling I've seen him in especially in the fight with Felix especially in the fight with other uh, guys like um, not Rojas but Arosa he was fine with them circling when he could have cut the distance off started doing damage he's fine with circling so uh, Ewell is going to find out that he's going to be able to circle and stay alive, but he's going to be losing when it comes to the exchanges. And that's what the judges will end up seeing and tipping the hat towards Jordan. So we're going to cut the break. And when I come back from break, uh, we have an, another slam dunk of a fight for you in the women's division, uh, in the, fly, the women's flyweight division between uh, Soraya Eubanks and Melissa J- uh, Giotto. So stay tuned. I'll be right back after this brief break. I am back. And it's time to pick up the pace, right? It's time to pick up the bar feet a little bit here and start marshing through these fucking high waters all right we got Soraya Eubanks versus Melissa Gelato Soraya Eubanks seven and six in her career Melissa Gelato seven oh and two so two two uh notice no contest there what the hell is going on with you that's insane that doesn't happen often but um unfortunately Soraya Eubanks missed weight by a pound and a half pretty atrocious but I don't know if that, like, what that is about. I know that no matter what the fight counts, so. Um, 
two draws, Melissa Giotto's had, but she fights out of uh, MSP. It's a good gym. Um, they're well trained over there at MSP. And uh, one thing about Soraya Eubanks is that she is a freaking beast. Sarjay is just a monster in that octagon. And uh, that last fight, she went out there and just stomped Elise Reed. 22 punches. Um, and just that was it. I mean, fight done. And uh, she's been in a lot of fights that have gone the distance. So, this fight, in my mind, uh, is kind of that same theme with her where she gets a tough opponent. Then I'm going to be on the side of it going the distance. But I do think she's going to win. She's the favorite, slightly. Minus 165, slight favorite. UFC odds are different. It's a slight favorite at minus 165. Your normal minus 170 rule, you know, played up to that, is minus 210 here. Uh, now, plus 135 underdog, Melissa Gelato. Is a, you know, you're getting a lot of juice there. It, it's a good bet. But I just think you're getting uh, the right pick with Soraya Eubanks by decision. And the reason I think that is because she just showed you in her last fight that she is uh, taking her game to another level now at 36 years old. And she's very talented um, up against Melissa Gelato, the 25-year-old out of Brazil who's, you know, kind of a firestorm lately. Um, Melissa Gelato's an inch taller, two inches more of reach. That's not going to make that much of a difference. That's not like a huge five-inch reach advantage or something crazy like that. Um but Melissa Gelato, we just have that one fight in the UFC from her, so we don't have a ton of data from UFC fighters with her. Where we have a lot of data from Sarjay, and she's been in wars and she's really taking it to her opponents. I'm going with Sarjay here. She is, um, <clears throat> she's the better defender. She's she's not going to get caught up uh, in a firefight that she can't win. If it's not going her way, she's not going to be take part. She's gonna she's gonna, you know re-strategize and she's good at thinking on her feet she's very quick on her feet um i'm just gonna go with her because right now melissa gelato melissa gelato is a good fighter it's gonna be tough out but sarjay is on another level right now and i would uh, if this fight actually sarjay is able to actually knock her out maybe with a takedown and some punches a flurry um possible but i see it going to because melissa gelato is not going to be easy to be taken down um, 100% takedown defense. So, uh, when these two do lock up, there's going to be a lot of grappling, a lot of uh, switching, bodies moving, circling each other. Um, and you'll see that where uh, if it's not, if, if for one of these ladies, if it's not going their way, I'm expecting to see some takedowns. But I think Sh- Sarge comes out on top no matter what. Like, that is my precise pick. Sarge by decision. Then we move on to the next fight where, back-to-back, uh, you're going to get fighters that didn't make weight. And I'm really surprised because the moderate favorite, the minus 335 moderate favorite, didn't make weight Justin Taffa up against uh, Harry Hunsucker. And this is a heavyweight fight, 265-pound division, three rounds scheduled for three five-minute rounds. Uh, Justin Taffa, the 28-year-old Australian versus uh, Harry Hunsucker fighting out of Kentucky, the plus 260 underdog. Justin Taffa's four and three in his career. Harry Hunsucker seven and four. <clears throat> uh, Harry Hunsucker's a little bit bigger, got an inch more reach. 
nothing uh, extensive. Tafa's got more power in his punches. Um, and he's he needs a fight right now to get him over. And this is the... I think they're throwing him a bone here with this one. Nothing against Harry Hunsucker, but... Um, his last two fights in UFC, both losses, both not, didn't look good at all. And um, Justin Taffa, yes, he's not looked great, but I think you're going to be surprised because he only missed weight by uh, one pound, which is pretty crazy for a heavyweight, but um, he is so much heavier in this fight than Harry Hunsucker dude like it's like ridiculous like almost 30 pounds heavier than this guy so I'm not going to be on the side of the guy that's 30 pounds lighter in the heavyweight fight I'm going to go with Tafa TKO round 2 he's 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 strong as an ox even in the fights he lost man he, they were good fights like it was still looking back on it in hindsight they were pretty good fights so uh, yeah I'll definitely be going with Justin Taffa precisely uh, to knock out Harry Hunsucker, KO slash TKO in round number two. Um, Harry Hunsucker, I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna give us a performance. I think he will in that first round. You know, land some stuff that will make you think, oh, you know, this could, you know, be his fight. And then I think in the second round is where Taffa says, look, I, I cannot go three rounds at this weight. Like, I got to get this finished. And his corner is going to be on top of that. But they'll be encouraging him to go out and get this done. Uh, and losing three in the UFC, I'd be very surprised. Because Tafa really needs this fight really bad right now. So, I'm going to go with Tafa. Uh, and kind of a desperation fight for him. This next fight's really hard to handicap. Because we don't have a lot of data on Victor Henry. But he's fighting Rayoni Barcelos at bantam weight. This is the 135-pound division. Three rounds, three five-minute rounds. Going to be a hard-fought game, a uh, hard, hard-fought fight, I should say. 16 and two, Ronnie Barcelos. 21 and five, Victor Henry on the amateur circuit. Um, Barcelos fights out of Brazil, and you got the uh, Victor Henry fight out of LA. Uh, the minus 350 favorite Barcelos stands at five foot seven inches tall with a 67-inch reach, and he's really. Uh, from what the data we have on him, he's he's primed for this fight. Um, he lost his last fight to Timur Valley, but he was on a huge fight win streak before that. I mean, it was pretty crazy. And uh, at this weight class, uh, you can see some some real knockouts. You can see some guys get finished here. Um, a notch down from this weight class is where there's like the lowest amount of finishes in the UFC. But this weight class specifically, the Bantamweight, you will see knockouts here. Um, I don't know specifically in this fight, although I know Ronnie Barcelos um, is a power puncher, but he's also very dynamic with his punches. Very dynamic on the feet. And I just don't... I think Victor Henry's, you know, as as his opponent here, the switch uh, stance fighter... Uh, I just don't see it right now because he's just so such a raw talent, such little data actually about him out there. But he has a twenty-one and five record on the on the amateur circuit. But stepping in the UFC now, you're fighting the best competition in the world. Yeah, absolutely, it's not an opinion; it's the fact. You're, you're fighting the best of the best in the UFC, and um, 
I think Barcelos is going to stop this guy. I think he's going to stop him early. Uh, first round, KO slash TKO. And uh, we'll move on. Because there's just not enough information to talk about Victor Henry. I really go into detail about him. Because you'd be pulling it from all different places. And um, we need to see more. You know what I mean? We still need to see him in the UFC. In the, in the UFC setting. the UFC Under the UFC rules. And, and, and their house rules. Before uh, I talk too much about him. So we'll see. But I just don't see this fight being a fight where he's like in his debut coming to uh, stop Rayoni Barcelos, who's a, who's a freaking monster if you've ever watched him fight. I don't think that's happening. This next fight, uh, very interesting. I mean, you got Gerald Mearsharver's Dustin Stolvis in the middleweight division, 185-pound division, three rounds, three five-minute rounds, all hard rounds here, and... This is going to go for a while because these guys got pretty good gas tanks. Now, Mearshart, GM3, he's he's the minus 230 favorite fighting out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, out of Aguilar Combative Systems. Um, but Dustin Stolvaz is not a can by any means. The thing is that Mearshart is just trending in the right direction when Stolvaz is lost his last two uh, decisively. Now, Mearshart's turned his whole his whole system around, man. The southpaw fighter who, you know, at one point we thought might not be in the UFC anymore, completely turned his career around, and he is dominating his opponents when he takes them to the ground, like not even a chance. Like a Michael Chiesa, you know, when he was in early in his early a little bit earlier years, when he just took you down, there's nothing else you could do, and that's Mearshart right now. Um just nothing anybody can do once he takes you down. He's going to be able to get Stolvalls down. Now, I think it takes a while, but only a 50% takedown defense. So 50-50 chance Stolval is able to stop Mearshart if Mearshart's actually going all out. Uh, he's almost averaging three takedowns in a 15-minute fight, 2.58. But Mearshart does a lot of other funny stuff, too, where a takedown for him is like him tripping you grabbing one leg and tripping the other and sweeping it and then now you're on your back now he's doing damage there's nothing you can do to hurt him because he's so talented and skilled on the ground and he's able to out muscle you once he's got you down there so uh, i'm taking Mearshart in this one surprisingly he's had so many fights in his career 33 and 14 record up against dustin stolvaz's 13 and 3 record but stolvaz is going to be surprised I, I, I think he's overlooking Mearshart a little bit, and I think Mearshart's going to catch him, lock him up, submit him in the third round once he's tired. And I think that's Mearshart at this point in his career. If he's against a guy of similar caliber, he can take it to him, he can drag it out, and he can finish him in the late rounds with a submission. That's how I see this fight going. A third-round submission victory for Mearshart is my precise pick for you there. Now uh, we move on to Darren Elkins versus Cub Swanson. Hey, Darren Elkins, man, what a beast. Everybody likes watching this guy fight. And he's in there against Cub Swanson, who's really trying to resurge his career in the featherweight division. So hats off to both these guys for coming and fighting on the last card uh, of UFC for the year. This is going to be great, man. Uh, Cub Swanson 27 and 12. Darren Elkins is 27 and 9. Elkins 5 foot 10 with a 71 inch reach in the 145 pound division. Cub Swanson, um, 5 foot 8, 70 inch reach, and he's got a good striking defense. But I just feel like 
Cub Swanson has ran the gauntlet and Darren Elkins is just a little bit unbeatable right now. Like he's just kind of unbeatable, man. His last two fights, it looked like he was completely done. No chance. And he finishes those guys. Like he's able to just, just completely turn the fights around against Minner and Garagori. Um, and I think this is one of those fights. I think Cus Watson looks good early on. Um, but I'm not going to go against Darren Elkins. I've just seen too much from him to know that he loves being an underdog at plus 160. He knows he is. He's 26 and 9 in his career. Cub Swanson's 27 to 12. These guys uh, to have not fought is just crazy. But out of that Duneland Vale Tudo where Darren Elkins fights against uh, Cub Swanson, Jackson Wink MMA, which is great, Jim. Something going on in that Duneland. Uh, they're they're nailing it. And Darren Elkins is, is going to be fun to watch. You know, now you're talking about the main card, um, you know, to kick off the main, actual main card here. Um, yeah, that, that Duneland Veltudos, uh, also with training with Team Alpha Male, um, has got him on the right track. And I think in this fight specifically, um, I'm liking Darren Elkins because he's just, it's just too hard to put him away. It's just one of those guys that won't be put away. So I'm going to take Darren Elkins by submission in round three after Cub Swanson has done everything he can to put him away and cannot. And then I'm going with Darren Elkins to just submit Cub Swanson because he's just too tired. But that, wow, what a wonderful fight. That is going to be such a good fight to watch. Like that is a historic UFC event right there. Uh, top From top to bottom of this card. And it gets better. Now we're on the main card. Every fight gets better, and we hit that main event uh, pretty soon here. So on the main card, next fight up. And surprisingly, I don't think Fortis MMA is going to have a good night because it's uh, Diego Fiera versus Matezios Gamro. And Gamro is just a monster, man. 19-1 and one out of fighting out of Poland. Uh Diego Fierro, 17-4, fighting out of McAllen, Texas, fights for Fortis. Uh, I feel like Diego Fierro in his career right now, he's hit a wall. Mark Medias Gamrot has climbed the wall. He's scaled it, man. And this dude, you're about to see an incredible fighter here. Um, he's a minus 190 favorite. Diego Fierro, the pl- plus 155 underdog. Gamrot an inch taller. Uh, but Diego Fierro does have better reach. He's got 74-inch reach. Opposed to Gamro's uh, 70 and a half inch reach. But don't get it twisted. When we go into the stats here, let me get a drink of coffee. <sighs> yep. When we go into the stats here, Gamro's defense is incredible 64% defense. Uh, Diego Fierro's striking accuracy is 37%. He's thrown 4.7 strikes uh, per minute. He is burning himself out. Okay, burned himself out on the uh, Darius fight. <laughs> burned himself out in the Conor Gillespie fight. While Gambro is on the uptrend, beating uh, Scott Holtzman, Jeremy Stevens, two blockbuster fights. Uh, two huge wins. But see, Gamro, 
one thing you don't know maybe you're not gonna maybe know about him is he's averaging five takedowns in a 15-minute fight and he has a hundred percent takedown defense also he he can lock you up in a submission so what i like here is dago fiera trying to stand up with uh gamro gamro understanding early on that he uh can push the pace and once he's able to establish himself in there and push Diego Ferro around, he's going to take him down. He's going to wear him out. And by the time we get to round two, Gamero's locking up a submission for a victory here um, in this lightweight division. These are two guys that are very quick, very fast. Okay, this is not a, not like these guys are easy to be caught and taken down. But Gamro is the gamer for a reason. He is game for this, folks. So... Don't take your eye off this fight. But I am like that at minus 190. You need to play that um, on the money line because Gamro is a freaking monster. And he's going to stop Diego Fair. He, Diego Fair just hit a wall in his career. I like him. He just hit a wall, man. And uh, Gamro's on the uptrend. You're getting a fighter on the uptrend that's a better grappler, it's a better striker. And uh, uh, we'll see tomorrow. But looks like he's in better shape, too. Not a knock on Fiera. I like him. I'm just saying. That's what it looks like from from the uh from the eyes. Now the next fight, uh, for me it was easy to pick because I'm a big Ricky uh, Simon fan. He's fighting Rafael Asunko. Rafael Asunko's on a, on a bad skid, man. He's got a three fight losing skid in the UFC. Plus two twenty five underdog uh, fighting out of Ascension Mixed Martial Arts. It's just a great gem. Um, and Ricky Simon fighting out of that top team has his wrestling. Um, superior to other guys. He's on a three-fight win streak. These fighters are, again, two guys going in completely different directions. Ralphie Osunko's had so many fights in his career, man. Almost 40 years old. 27 and 8. Ricky Simon is 18 and 3. Um, t- you know, Ralphie Osunko's 10 years the elder. 39 years old um, compared to Ricky Simon. And Ricky Simon's in some of the best shape of his life. Reaching his prime. Really walking into his prime now. And five foot six. A uh, little bit taller, uh, three and a half inch more reach with uh, 70 inch reach. And it's going to be an uphill battle for Rafael Asunko this whole fight. Like, there's no way he gets out of this unscathed because this is just too much. With the level changes that Ricky Simon can throw at you, he gets you thinking he's going to stand up and bang with you. Like, for, you know, it's Fred Flintstone versus Barney Rubble. And all of a sudden, he's taking you down. And the next thing you know, it's like you're going down a fucking slip and slide. You know what I mean? Like, he, Ricky Simon is so crafty. He's averaging almost seven takedowns in a 15-minute fight. Uh, he's got 54% takedown accuracy. He's going to be all over Rafael Asunko who's unfortunately just been getting cleaned up by some of the top talent in the UFC. Now, a lot of, I'm not saying he's a can at all because he's beaten really tough guys like uh, Rob Font. Uh, but the other side of that is that that was then. This is now. And with all of these fights and all the wear and tear on the tires, I'm just going with Ricky Simon. I'm not going to make too much of a fuss about it because he is just going to outgrind and outgrit. Rafael Sunko. But this won't go the distance because uh, Ricky Simons is going to be taking him down, looking to finish the fight. So I think it ends in the third round ultimately with a KO slash TKO from Ricky Simon because the grappling, the wrestling, all of it's just too much for uh, Asunko to handle and I don't think he's prepared for that type of fight to be honest with you. Uh, so I'm going to cut the break. We come back from break. We will knock out the last 
three fights on this UFC card. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. Thanks for staying through the break. Here we go. Finish up the last three fights. This is going to be good. We got Amanda Lemos versus Angela Hill in the women's strawweight division. And overkill Angela Hill is really looking for a win after that last fight where um, could have went either way. But um, she definitely wants to get back on track here. Fighting out of Alliance MMA. Uh, remember, we talked about them earlier. Uh, very talented. Uh and they just, they're deep with talent over there. And Amanda Lemos fighting out of uh, Marojo Brothers team. Uh, they, you know, one thing about Amanda Lemos is you've seen a lot of her against kind of different types of, of uh, women, different types of talent levels. But she's been able to do one thing really well. She's been able to dominate the stand-up, and then she's been able to make you think about how she's going to try to take you down, but to keep you standing up and, and just make, she's really good at confusing uh, fighters. 10-1-1, Angela Hill's 13-10 and 10 in her career, but I, it's going to be hard to go against Angela Hill here, and I'll tell you why, because at only 115 pounds, these two fighters uh, are evenly matched. They're both throwing a ton of strikes. They're both landing with a lot of accuracy. But Angela Hill, uh, just sometimes on those punches, I think she's throwing more than putting much on it. You know what I mean? And it's more for points. And she's fighting for points a lot. And I and I think that's what got her burned in her last fight. Um, and I think that's what's going to get her burned in this fight. I think Amanda Lamos is actually fighting to do some damage and actually like win. Uh, by knocking you out and i think angela hill yes she is doing damage yes she don't she definitely will try to knock you out but that's not for the whole fight that's early on once she gets tired and fatigue sets in it becomes uh you know like a little bit of a rat race you know like who's gonna outlast who and that's what she's gonna end up doing here with amanda lamos who's gonna outlast who I think Amanda Lemos outlasts Angela Hill. Uh, the minus 320 favorite from Brazil. Um, a little bit taller. Half inch more reach. Even though I love, absolutely love Alliance MMA. I'm going to have to go against them here. And go with Amanda Lemos. Who is a freaking monster. But so is Angela Hill. And I love Angela Hill. I really do. She's absolutely one of my favorite fighters in the UFC. But I just lately, from what I've seen from her, I just don't know if it's going to be good enough. And I really don't want to tell you to go bet on that when I'm not sure. I'm sure about Amanda Lemos. She's been in the octagon dominating her opponents. One thing she's done so well is confuse her opponents with her stand-up, making you think about the ground. She keeps it standing. Then she takes you down. You thought it was going to stay standing. She's really good at that. And that's that gets in fighters' heads. I like her. To get in Angela's, Angela Hill's head a little bit. Win this fight by decision. I don't see either one of these women going down. Even though they're both two heavy handed women. Once the initial two rounds get out of the way. 
when they're two still standing, now the fatigue is set in, then it's just a war till the end. That's the way I see that going. That's how I'm, I'm sticking to it. Then we get a, a co-main event, which could be a main event, which is Stephen Thompson versus Bilal Muhammad in the welterweight division. And um, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, 16-5-1, Bilal Muhammad, 19-3. and uh, Bilal Muhammad, surprisingly to a lot of people, is the plus 180 underdog here. I'm a little bit concerned with that because I see him as the better fighter. Now, Stephen Thompson, I'm not going to take anything away from him, but he he's coming off a loss where he did not look good. Um, with 65-inch reach, he's got 4-inch reach advantage. He's got an inch of height. But let's be real. Bilal Muhammad's going to close the distance, going to make it a close fight. And what I liked about Bilal Muhammad is if you decide that you're going to come at him early, put on, you know, and step on the gas pedal early on, he's going to be able to withstand a lot of that. And if you don't finish him, he there's a good chance he starts coming back and he beats you. Now, there was that no contest against Leon Edwards. Is where I really started watching below Muhammad because um, he started coming back, you know, a, in that fight. Um, but that last fight he had against, uh, it was Demi Maya. He was absolutely dominant. And he gives me no reason not to pick him. See, that's the thing. We got no reason not to go with Bilal Muhammad here. But he absolutely dominated Demi and Maya. And Demi and Maya was, was on a little bit of a comeback. Um, So, I think everybody's jumping the gun a little bit. They're jumping on Stephen Thompson, the Wonder Boy bandwagon. I'm just afraid that this fight is stylistically... Just it just disfavors him, um, in his karate style. I think after that fight where he had with Gilbert Burns, um, back in July, it just hasn't looked right. Um, and when he's fought in guys with similar styles to Bilal Muhammad, which is not easy to do because he fights a very unique style of fight, and I really like Bilal Muhammad fighting out of Chicago, of course, hometown guy, but uh. I'm not going to go against him in this fight. He has done some real impressive things in that octagon. And he's uh, he's sure-handed. And what I mean by that is, I think he knocks Stephen Wonderboard Thompson out in this fight. Stephen Wonderboard Thompson has shown us one thing. That when you put the pressure on him, you can get him. I think Blow Muhammad knocks out Stephen Boy Wonder Thompson in the second round. Stephen... Uh, Wonderboy Thompson is going to stand up for this fight. He's not, he doesn't average any take, he doesn't even average a takedown a fight. Well, Below Muhammad does and can get himself out of harm's way. If he gets rocked, he can take Stephen Boy Wonderboy Thompson down. Uh, but the problem that uh, Stephen Thompson is going to have is that Below Muhammad's good at standing up, good on the ground, versatile fighter, man. And the other thing is that he's a little bit got a little bit carrying around a little bit more power in his hands. And he's gonna show you that in this fight. So in this welterweight division where we're known to see some finishes, I'm expecting to finish. Below Muhammad, the plus one eighty underdog. Lay it. That that's a easy lay. Uh before that changes on you because Below Muhammad is was winning this fight inside the distance. There's nothing to show us that Stephen Wonderboard Thompson, after that Gilbert Byrne. Burns fight um, has changed anything. We don't. We haven't seen that yet. 
we know from below muhammad that he's changed up after that leon edwards fight and he's no longer going to come out and start slow um but if you do put the gas pedal down he's gonna he's gonna let you burn yourself out and then he's gonna end up getting the win i believe um in this fight by knockout in the second round so folks we made it to the main event and it's been a great ride all the way through Derek lewis versus chris Dawkins, and this is really a battle of strength versus speed Dawkins is way faster than Derek Lewis. Now, Derek Lewis has still got that one-punch knockout power. The problem is, is he going to be able to land that punch? Because Chris Dawkins is super good at moving in and out of danger. Uh, Chris Dawkins has been dominant in the UFC 12-3. and Derek Lewis is 25-8. and um, Derek Lewis lost his last fight to several gain. He didn't look good in that fight. But before that, he was unstoppable. So... I don't want to go too far away from him. But we know that Chris Dawkins is on a roll, trending in the right direction. Um, almost landing, he's landing nine strikes per minute with 53% accuracy. He will take damage. And Derek Lewis will be able to get to him, unlike he was able to get to Cyril Gain. The difference is, is that Chris Dawkins is going to hit Derek Lewis with some of the same stuff that Cyril Gain hit him with. And that's why I like Chris Dawkins in this fight to win, surprisingly. And I've looked at this fight over and over again. Uh, But I can tell you that I'm confident Chris Dawkins here. With a 64% striking defense, Derek Lewis only has a 41% striking defense. And Chris Dawkins um, stands at the same height uh, and with a little bit less weight on his body. He's going to be able to move a lot better in this octagon. Now, Derek Lewis, he moves well, man, for, for a big fella. He moves well. And he's strong as an ox. You don't want to be locked in in, uh, in a, a firefight with him. Chris Dawkins isn't going to do that. Chris Dawkins is going to be working body kicks, leg kicks, circling in and out, and putting uh, exchanges together that favor him over Derek Lewis and win this fight. I think Chris Dawkins wins by decision. I don't see either of these guys getting finished, believe it or not. <clears throat> I think a lot of people are on this to go under the rounds. I like it to go over the rounds. I think stylistically, Derek Lewis isn't going to push the pace. Chris Dawkins is going to have to push the pace. I think it's going to take a while for him to recognize that because I think he's going to assume that Derek Lewis is going to fight him like a normal fight. You know what I mean? But I think, you know, a little bit of something to see is going to be what Derek Lewis looks like after that fight because we really don't know after that Cyril game fight. But, uh, He's still number four heavyweight in the world. But Chris Dawkins is getting a lifetime opportunity here. I expect him to take advantage of it. I expect him to win by decision. And that finishes our precise picks. Can you believe it? 14 fights all done. And uh, it's 10.06 now. Try to get this edited, chopped up, ready for you for a 10.30. The way you got it going into tomorrow. You can listen to it through the night. Have a little glass of wine. Have a little bit of cheese. Enjoy your night. Let's go over. Let's recap the picks. Okay, because that's important that we do it at the end of the show. That way, if you forget something, if you don't know something, uh, you can always go and look at my precise picks. I have them up on the website. But if you don't have that available and you just have the podcast, then you need this. So I have Matt Sales to win by decision. I have 
Dante Mays to win by KO slash TKO in round one. I have Raquel Pennington to win by KO slash TKO in round three. I have Charles Jordan to win by decision. I have Soraya Eubanks to win by decision. I have Justin Taffa to win by KO slash TKO in round number two. I have Rayoni Barcelos to win by KO slash TKO in round number one. I have Gerald Mearshart to win by submission in round number three. I have Darren Elkins to win by submission in round number three. I have Martasius Gamro to win by submission in round number two. I have Ricky Simon to win by KO slash TKO in round number two. I have Amanda Lamos to win by decision. I have Bilal Muhammad to win in the co-main event by KO slash TKO in round number two. I have Chris Dawkins to win by decision victory over Derek Lewis in the main event to round out UFC Fight Night 199, Lewis vs. Dawkins. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been an honor and a privilege to do the podcast for you. Share it with 10 friends, 20 friends, 30 friends, 100 friends. Turn it on in the house. Let everybody know the Super Show is live. I didn't forget about the bowl game, so I'll have something up for you about that for tomorrow. And other than that, I was just very happy to get this done and get this up for everybody. I love doing my precise picks for UFC. Uh, the record's up on my uh, UFC page on oddmanout.ninja slash MMA. And always tell your friends, anchor.fm slash Preston Super Show. Wherever you can listen to the Super Show is where you want to go. Now, it was fun. I'll be back tomorrow. A lot of things going on, but I will be back with you tomorrow. Don't worry. And ladies and gentlemen, just like the hands of time, I'm turning it over to you. Good night, everybody. And best of luck.